You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. You know what? Happy Father's Day. It's so good. Ah, thanks, Jim. Um, I hope you were uh, spoiled a little bit. I have to say really quickly that um, for those who I am a Yankee, my Keith is is a rebel, and he's made that very uh, obvious and so for so many years. But just really quickly, one of the things I could never do is make Southern biscuits. 40 years, baby, I did it. I made the perfect, I'm telling you, Google knows all. I'm, I'm just saying. Anyway, I gave him breakfast in bed today, didn't I, babe? And I was just so excited, and I went, did it work? Did it work? Did it work? You should have seen me. I was like a kid on Christmas morning. And he goes, yes, darling, you did. But 40 years, I am not kidding. I have tried, and I have had his mother and everybody else from down south, and I still never could get it, but I did today. Praise God. I think that's like, woo That was a real thing, real blessing. Anyway, <laughs> you know, ladies, I believe one of the best ways to celebrate our husbands and fathers is through respect. And you can guess what book that I just love, if you hang around me long enough, is Love and Respect by Dr. Um, uh, Emerson Egerish. As far as I'm concerned, this book is still one of the best books on marriages because many books on marriage stress the need for husbands to love wives. But this unique book is about the concept of wives showing unconditional respect towards husbands. And, you know, he used that scripture to base this book in Ephesians 5, 33. It says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. In his book, Dr. Emerson Igerich says, What we try to share is that the best way to love a husband is to show him respect in ways that are meaningful for him. Such respects let him feel his wife's love for him and ignites in him feelings of love. Excuse me. And, sorry. Thank you. Such respects lets him feel his wife's love for him. It ignites in him feelings of love for his wife. He goes on. Not only is the husband... I'm having lots of problems. Excuse me. Why won't us go? Ah, go. Don't want you. <laughs> Stuck right in the middle. Hello? Tim? It's just. <laughs> no, just move it, move it. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, it's not in there. No, it's not. It's not. It's got added stuff. Oh dear. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> you see, husbands need respect just as he needs air to breathe. Respect is saying to him, "I love you." You know, an aspect of men, our husbands, our fathers, that causes us to respect them is the ability to be resilient. 
Resilient means, you'll say it up there, is the capacity to recover from difficulties, toughness. The ability of a substance or object to spring back to into shape, elasticity. You know, when Keith was on the sabbatical and took time out, I knew he needed that long before he did. I knew he was tough, but I had seen him beaten down and almost knocked out. But I knew deep down inside of him, there was a resilience that needed to emerge again. During his time off, he read a lot of books, and one that particular that he picked up was Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter Most. In that book, Craig Grishel writes, as God's warriors, there are only two acceptable actions. You're either standing or you're getting back up. He went on to say, in relationships, it's more important to a man to res be respected than to be liked. That's why men take failure so personally. You know, I believe in continuing, as I've continued to pray for him and support and showing respect to Keith, I contributed to his comeback. I also made a choice to res respect him, and I'm still on that journey. I knew he was resilient. And it was only a matter of time until he sprung back into the shape God had fashioned him to be. It wasn't easy, and we're still on that journey. He's different in many ways, but good different. Today is about being resilient men. Keith and Darren have chosen to focus on a man in Scripture who displayed great tenacity and toughness. You turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I'll give you a, just a, a minute to turn there. It's always good because one day these things might not even be working and then you'd be cooked. So get out your electronic devices or your Bibles. Great. Okay, starting with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I, have, which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the growing down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it in day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that it is written. 
For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, I want to honor Keith today as a resilient man of God. To me, he is the bravest, most resilient man that I know. He always said, he always said that his mother was his hero. But I want to say to you all that he is my hero. He's my husband, my lover, a wonderful father, my best friend, Keith. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I love you. Love you thank you, thank you. This is possibly a resilient moment, not a sloppy moment. Thank you. Have a seat. Tim, now, before I get started, I've got to do something. I've got to take advantage as the father of this house, and I've got to do something that I needed to do a long time ago. So, Tim, would you bring that out, please? Tim, bring that out. Something I've been needing to do for a long time. We should have done this ages ago. Yes, Alabama. So, seeing that first game of 2018 begins today... The boys bought me this for my birthday, even got my name on it. They're playing right now. Nobody check the score. You swear to me, you're not going to check the score. We're going to put that in a sacred place right there. It'll help me to preach. We've got a few other things I've got to have that'll just help me here. Just get the hat. We're serious in Alabama. Not like the Jets. Nate, would you like to wear... Oh, I'm sorry. You haven't won a national championship. Anyway. No kidding. We have. Jets have, haven't they? Gary would correct me on that, wouldn't you, Gary? Yeah, of course. But I won't do this again. Just today is the first day. It'll be irony if they lose. They're playing right now. So, never mind. I needed to do that before I started. Come on. This is good. And tea. Uh Which is good. You boys, I tell you, you love this kind of day, don't you? You're in your element. Just a good thing you're a dad. How many more? That means he's not finished. How many more? Settling on three. Hmm. Okay. Darren would, Darren would, Pastor Darren would say real men have four. Anyway, Okay. Hey, uh, you know, Janet helped me so much to believe again that God had made me a warrior. I didn't know if you knew this, but the name Keith is an Irish name that means from the battleground. Isn't that amazing? I know my parents didn't know that when they named me that. I don't know why they named me that. We don't know anybody with that name. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad to be back in the battle. Um, It's not a good thing to feel like you've been uh, either sidelined or mortally wounded and out of the battle when you're way too young. Uh, and, And I believe, you know, in times that we live in. It's challenging to be the kind of man God wants us to be. I really mean that. Uh, You know, God has designed us in a certain way. And I want to be careful in what I say right now, because we live in political times. I know everything goes out electronically. 
And so I want to be careful, and I don't want to sound sexist, and I don't want to be old-fashioned. Simeon's already accused me today of being old-fashioned in the way I dress. Um, Yeah, yeah, tell them later. I got the microphone right now. Anyway, (laughs) but, and I don't want to demean the importance of women, but listen, dads are getting bashed like crazy. Men are getting demeaned. And, and I don't want to demean the importance of women, but today is about celebrating dads and calling them to stand up and fight, and to fight for their identity as a man. It's under assault, I'm telling you. It no longer is, is, it, is it cool to be a strong man. You need to fight for your marriage and fight for your family. Don't give up. Fight for what's right in this nation. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation. Not sin, not pleasure, but what is right exalts a nation. And Janet already mentioned it, the book, one of the books I read during my time out was this one by Pastor Craig Grishel. He's Stephen Furtick's pastor. Uh, great, great church. And he, he wrote a book, and this really is to men. Anybody can read it, but he's addressing men in this book. And I want to read a little bit to you out of this. He says this. Next page. Here we go. Down the beginning, not the end. Okay, here we are. We lack real heroes, and Hollywood fills the void with a glut of superheroes Iron Man, and Batman, and Thor, and Spider Man, and Avengers, and X Men, dazzling us with their powers in 3D and on Blu ray. But we still long for someone to show us what an authentic flesh and blood hero looks like. Where have all the men gone? I read a book recently that suggested our culture has tried to turn good men into women. Nicer, softer, kinder, more compassionate, and fashion savvy. Forgive me for stating the obvious, but men are not women. And for the record, women don't make good men either. After all, God created us differently. Then he quotes Genesis 1.27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Both men and women reflect the image of God, but in distinct ways. I'm convinced that one of the most profound ways has to do with how we use our manhood. God created men to have the heart of a warrior, placing a desire within us to stand up and fight for what's pure and what's true. A man has a warrior's heart. You have a warrior's heart. You itch for a fight. That's God's design, not ours. That's not, that doesn't mean that men should be aggressive alpha bully punks, nor does it mean that women can't fight for what is right as well. It, it simply means that within every man, God has placed a divine desire to fight for righteousness. It's time to stand up and fight. Now, here's the deal. We bought the last copies at Kurong. So we got three going out at Northwest in about an hour and five here this morning. And I want to give five away to any age man. You're not too young and you're not too old to still fight. And I want to give five away. But before you come get it, you've got to make a promise to me that you are going to read it. It is not going to sit on your shelf. Some of you guys borrow my books, Pete Edwards. I checked that. I got it back the other day after requesting it, after having it for 15 months. How many times? didn't take that long. I know. You're a good reader. All right. Five men who will get down here first. I want to give you one. But you've got to promise me you'll read it. Get on you, Sebastian. You're about to get married. You... And I like the eye of the tiger. I work out. I used to work out to the eye of the tiger. Still do today. Anybody else? Come on, Shane. Bring that new baby down here. These men aren't afraid to read it. Every man ought to read. Get on you, man. Awesome. That's for you. Come on in. Matt, what are you doing over here today? This was your ride today, not Northwest. Good. 
That's right, Jim, you're never too old. Good on you, Ian, yours. Jim, no, you're never too old, are you? Never too old to fight. You're a champion. Good on you, Matt. Welcome back to Australia, bud. Thank you. Arkansas won. You can what? Don't tell me the score. I know Arkansas won, but I don't care about that. Yeah, I do. They're in the Southern Conference, so I do care. Janet made biscuits. My mother couldn't even teach her how to make Southern biscuits. You guys don't know what they are, do you? (laughs) They're a better tasting scone. Let's put it that way. And then she made real Southern sausage. You got to get special spices, mix it in the pork, and you put it on, so you have sausage and biscuit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been to America? Yeah. Are you guys Americans? Yeah. You know, you know, they don't say we are Americans. They go, we're Americans. What are you? Depends on what part of America, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. So here we go. I'd love to give every man a, a copy of that book. As a matter of fact, I'll make you a promise. I thought about this. This is going to kill the holiday budget. Any man that wants one, I will pay for it and order it for you. So here's what I need you to do. I need somebody to take the orders. Somebody who's really good at that stuff. Who's good at just taking the orders and I'll get Pete... No, we're going to do it today here. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me the easiest way. Just tell me the easiest way. All right, go to the involved desk. Make a list. You've got to have your name there and everything. And we'll have to order them because they're all out. I'd love every man to read it. I picked it up, not by looking for it. But I don't know if you were watching the rugby last night. I like all codes of football. I tolerate soccer. Anyway, um, this is not enough action. No, it's true. They're very skilled. Very, very skilled. But I was watching uh, Jonathan Thurston's farewell last night, his farewell game. Did you see it? Anybody see that last night? Yeah, good. There's a few men in the house and ladies that like league. Um, he, he is an incredible man, really is. He's a, they said he's a great family man. He's, he's friendly. He's all this and all that. But they kept coming back to the fact he bounces back. He's got great resilience. Interesting they use that word. He's got resilience. And you know what that says to me? The world still respects a man with resilience. And they're looking for men with resilience. So Pastor Darren and I were in the office. We were talking about this last week. And we're looking for scripture. And we could not go past Joshua 1. An incredible man. I mean, there's a lot of guys in scripture who make comebacks. Guys like Joseph. Guys like Gideon who started out as a coward. Um, But Joshua just seems to epitomize resiliency. And in Joshua 1, you can take your Bible. Leave it open there if you want to. I'm going to give you four traits of a resilient man. I'm looking at the clock. They left me about 15 minutes. And I'm going, no, I've got less than that because we've got to do an offering. I killed the offering last week, didn't I? So here we go. We're going to look at this. Number one, resilient men follow in the steps of resilient men. I don't know about you, but, you know, most of my life I was looking for a role model, particularly a man. Like I said, my mother was my hero, but I still needed a role model as a man. My mother just couldn't be that for me. She could be everything else, but she could not be that role model man that I needed me that showed me how to live as a man, show me how to treat women, show me how to do life, show me how to handle adversity, all of that stuff. We need to follow in the footsteps of of a resilient man. And Joshua served and followed Moses for four decades. Now, that ought to teach us a lesson right there about resilience. Today, everything is so quick, so temporary, so plastic, so disposable that mentoring is gone within just months. This guy sat at the feet of Moses for four decades 
as he, he saw Moses as his mentor, his leader, his father. And right at the end of Moses' life, we don't have this on the screen, but in Deuteronomy 31, 23, Moses is ready to depart. He says, I'm finished. My leadership days are over. I'm going home, Joshua. And then he calls him to strength and courage. And then you jump over to Joshua chapter 1. Three times within about that many verses, God says the same thing to Joshua. And, and he says, Joshua, you've got to be a strong man. Verse 6, Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're the one that's going to lead these people. Verse 7, be very strong, be very courageous. Verse 9, this is my command. So he ups the ante. He's now not just saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this. He's now saying, I'm telling you, Joshua, stand in strength and courage that I gave you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Your Lord God is with you forever. Wherever you go, whatever you do. I'm telling you, that's an amazing kind of promise from God. But I sit there and read that and I go, why did he have to tell him three times? I mean, Joshua was a general. I mean, he won battles for Moses. Listen to me, he might have been a general, but he was still a follower. There's a world of difference between being a follower and becoming the leader. When you were a child, guys, when you were a teenager, you thought you were a leader, but you were still a follower. When you went into young adulthood, you might have still lived like a follower. God's calling you today to stand up and lead like a man. Why is Joshua so... Needs this three times. Maybe he was, maybe he had doubt. Maybe he thought, golly, I can't be like Moses. You know, I've, I've lived in his shadow for 40 years. I can't do it. This guy touched rocks and water came out. He split a whole sea. I can't do that stuff. Maybe that's it. We don't know. He might have had self-doubt. Maybe he was at the place of being secure as a follower. I've been an associate pastor as well as a senior. And I'm telling you, it is a heck of a lot safer being the associate. You are not in front of the proverbial fan when it hits. And Lord does it hit, and it hits big time. And the leader steps in front of it. I remember one wife telling Janet, my husband's not the leader, but he just seems to step in front of the fan whenever it happens. That would be a good definition of being a leader. The fan receiver. Poof. That gets it. Maybe Joshua's, he's, he's like, I've been a follower. I'm not sure I want to take the lead. Who knows what he's thinking? But we do know this, that God believed in him and wanted to tell him three times, you are made of courage and strength. Now step up and step forward. Resilient man. Second point, resilient men have an inner security. They have a strength inside. You can't buy it. You can't bottle it. Wish you could. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched Jonathan Thurston play. I'm, I'm not a Queensland fan, but I like the Cowboys. And, and, and I've watched him play, and they said, they said, if you watch him, he looks ragged, and he looks disheveled most of the time on the field, and all of a sudden, boom, it's like they take the kryptonite away, and Superman takes over. He does. He'll look, he'll look like he's even staggering. He's been hit so hard. Next thing you know, he's up, and he's got the ball, and he's going for a try. And they said, he just, what, what is it about this guy? You know, there, there's something inside of him. They said, you know... They called him the scrawny little kid from North Queensland. That's what he was known as, as a boy. Scrawny little kid. Scrawny little boys don't usually do well in league. Right? Not like my son. My son tried to play soccer, and, uh, and everybody, he would just, instead of running at the ball, he'd run at everybody as hard as he could. And they saw him coming because he's built like a brick dunny. He's a lot bigger than me. 
And they'd see him coming and they'd just step out of the way and let him go, you know. So finally, I think you guys, Al, put him on a goalie so he didn't kill anybody or something like that. And finally, he realized, this is not my game. And he went in the league. He tried AFL. He killed people in AFL. He tried, he tried cricket. He wanted to kill the coach because he was so bored. Put him in league and, man, he's a pig in mud. League and union. He played both. And he's, he's built like a brick. I know what a, a league player looks like. Jonathan Thurston, they said, was a weedy little kid. What was it that made him get up and go again? There was something in that guy. You know, I watched him last night and I thought, this guy's going to stay in the, in the shadows. He's not going to get hurt in the last game. He's played for 17 years. Did you watch the game? He did not play in the shadows. This guy was incredible last night. Because inside of a leader and a man who is strong is something that won't let him hide in the shadows. There's a lion inside there. And it it causes this resilience. It's a security, but it's not a security that's found in being perfect. Being the best. Going the highest or the fastest or the biggest. Having all the trophies. Never making any mistakes, because if that were the case, none of us would ever make it. We make mistakes. I won't ask for men to raise their hands if you failed. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you failed in your family. Because we have made mistakes. We do make mistakes. But here's the deal. Failure is not final. And failure, listen to me, failure is not a person. Failure is an event. You are not a failure. You should not be defined by that. Uh, You are not a failure because of anything that happened in your past. As a matter of fact, this book is full of men and women who blew it at one time or another, and yet they're still called heroes of the faith. Perfection has never been the the qualification for being resilient. What, What gives us that inner strength is not confidence in my ability, but confidence in His promise that He'll strengthen me to do it. Look, verse 5, chapter 1. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. How many of you guys would like God to whisper that in your ear? For I will be with you as I was with Moses. You know how he started this chapter? Moses is now dead. I mean, what a great, what a great kind of funeral word. He's dead. The past is the past. Move on. In other words... It's not forget Moses. I mean, Moses is known as the greatest prophet in all of Israel forever. It's not forget Moses. It's that he will not lead you anymore. You now step out of the shadow because it's not being Moses that's going to make you secure. And it's not standing behind Moses that's going to make you secure. There comes a time where your mentor is here and your mentor, mentor will go, come on, come on around, come on around, come on around. And the mentor will back up. Got it? The best mentors aren't the ones who stay better than you. The best mentors are the ones who make you better than them. Listen to me. Uh, One of my professors used to say, Jesus' model of mentoring went something like this. He'd say this to the 12. I'll do it, you watch. Let's do it together. You do it, I'll watch. You do it. And he left the worldwide mission of the kingdom of God to a handful of people, and he left. The angel said, why why are you standing here staring? He's gone. That's what they said to him. In other words, it's in your hands now. He trusted you. He believed in you. 
man, that'll put a security in you like nothing before. And our sense of security is found in the promises of God, not in our ability to be perfect in His Word that speaks into our soul. You know, when, when I had my sabbatical, it wasn't me trying to get runs on the board or build up my credentials or do anything like that. I needed to hear His Word again to me deep in my soul. And our sense of security comes from that word. We have both the promise of his presence and the promise of his power. And it gives us the greatest confidence we could ever have. So point three, resilient men. Resilient men lead others to victory. You know why? Because it's not just about them. As great as Moses was, it wasn't just about Moses. He said in verse six, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Do you realize Joshua did something that nobody else had ever done? He did what Moses couldn't do. Isn't that interesting? Why wasn't Moses allowed to possess the promised land? He got angry with God. His temper disqualified him to take the promised land, even though God still blessed him. And even as a mentor and as a resilient man, we will do stuff at times that that might just take us a step back, but that doesn't stop others from accelerating beyond us. So Joshua is now given this promise, you're going to lead all these people. Depends on how you understand the Old Testament, but there's somewhere around two to three million people. He's about to lead across a river to take a land that had never been taken before. That's a big job as a leader. That's a huge job. So guys, listen, you are not only built for victory. You are made to lead others to possess the promises of God. Do you know that? It's not just, oh, I need to get this into me. Yes, you do, but you need to get it into others also. It's not just, oh, God, you made me a promise. Oh, no, oh, God, you made all these people a promise. I'm not here just to grab promises for me so I stay secure until the day I depart. I'm here to help you grab the promises for you also and to lead you in a way to take these promises and say, this is the word of God. I stand on this word. I build my life on this word and I will will succeed according to this word. You lead them to victory because here's the deal, guys. Lead your children to hang on the word that God says about them. Lead your wives to walk in victory that God tells them. Lead those who live around you to live like more than a conqueror's. But my suspicion is we've been so beaten down, we don't even think we can win, much less lead others to win. It's time to stand up and realize God has made us more than conquerors. That's his word. He didn't say if, he said you are. So dads, there's a lot of good things that God's planned for your family. Stand up and lead it with courage. Don't give up, no matter what has happened. I don't know some of you dads who have kids who are now older than school age, but you've had one of your kids go off the rails. You had them go through a tough time. I mean, we went through that tough time with one of ours, and and you just keep standing on the promises of God, and you keep declaring the promises of God. Train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they're not going to depart from it. These are not idle words. These are not airy-fairy words. These are promises that are yes and amen, and they're real. And even when they don't have the faith to believe it, you keep believing it. Listen, the crippled man didn't have faith to get down through the roof to get healed, but his friends had enough faith to get him down there to get healed. you got a lot of promises, dads. Lead them to victory. Last point. 
told you I'd be quick. Resilient men know how to succeed. You heard what Craig Rochelle said in the book. We would rather be respected than be liked because we're afraid of failure. That, that, that's a strong kind of thing. God said in Joshua 1, 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. That's an interesting thing. People just do all kinds of things today to get a sense of succeeding, to feel they're winning, to prosper in a thing. And yet God says in verse 8, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, and you'll be sure and be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You know what that says about resilient men? They've got the right kind of focus. That's what it says. They, they know what God says about a successful man, not what others say a successful man is. See, everybody is going to try to define you and tell you and categorize you as to whether you're successful or not. One of the first things they ask you is, so what do you do? They don't ask you who you are. What do you do? And at that moment, they're measuring you up as to whether they will gauge your level of success or not. And some will even, even decide at that moment whether they relate to you or not because you might not be on the same level of success. And so we strive and we work and we climb the ladder and we sacrifice our family and we do everything we can to try to get somebody to say, you're successful because we want to be respected. It's more important to us than being liked. And yet, right here he defines success. He gives a formula and a definition. Meditate, read it, talk about it, think about it, meditate on it, live it. And then you'll know what it is to be successful. Do you know, even in our job, I read a book, obviously, called The Success Syndrome in Ministry. Even in our job, we try to get categorized of being successful or not, depending on how big your church is or how many conferences you speak at or how many nations you travel to and all this different stuff. But I'm telling you, all of that stuff one day will come to an end. Have you been successful? Only if you have done what God has said for you to do, not what others have categorized you by. So, so a resilient man is not distracted by the wrong focus, chasing a definition of success that is a deep black hole that never gets filled. Because enough is never enough. So men, I want to say this today. It's time to rise up and be the warrior you're created to be. There is a vacuum in society. The sad part is, men of God aren't filling that vacuum. We're getting sucked into the same kind of thing that other men are getting sucked into to define us and tell us, you're just not big enough. You're just not rich enough. You're just not high enough. You're not educated enough. All of these different things that categorize us, and, and we get put down and self-doubt and all kind of things and then we realize I'm too small interesting Paul the apostle never called himself the apostle Paul did you know that you'll never find in the Bible he says the apostle Paul he always says Paul an apostle now you need to get this right because the name Paul do anybody here today name Paul good you know what the name Paul means little 
little. Now, interesting, his original name was Saul, which is royal. The king, first king of Israel was Saul. And God says, you're no longer going to be known as lineage of a king. You're going to be known as a little man. And all of a sudden, how would you like that if God came along and said, nah, you're not going to be, you'll never be speaking at Hillsong. You'll never be speaking in big conferences. You'll never grow a big church. You'll never, you're just going to be a small man. But you're not small, you're not just small, you're trusted because you are Paul. In, in the big scheme of the kingdom, you're small, yet I'm going to trust you as an apostle. Somebody with authority, somebody with the ability to lay a foundation that nobody else can lay. And then others can build on it. And he goes, yeah, I'm good with that. I don't care if I'm small, because the smaller I am, the greater his grace and strength is. And I like what Mark Twain once said. If you think you're just not big enough, good enough, strong enough, I like what Mark Twain said. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. So stand up and fight. Stop measuring yourself by somebody else's standards. Measure yourself by living by this word and don't turn from it to the right or the left. Live by it the rest of your life. And I'll tell you, there's a big dog inside of you that's ready to fight. Come on, let's stand to our, our feet. You were created for the fight, guys. The fight is in you. And I believe it's time to get in there and fight like men of God. I'm not talking about being agitated and, and a UFC fighter and all that stuff. Follow His Word. Walk in His way. You will prevail. You will prevail in your family. You will prevail at work. You will prevail in life. And they will say things about you in the end. He was a man of resilience because he followed the way of God. He had a fight in him. Don't give in when other people say this is the right way to go. Head the way God says you should go. Meditate on it. Live by it. And then you will be successful. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.